welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. Welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. I'm Taylor, and with me as he is every month when we wander back through the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s, he is the chain to my A. It's my brother, Seb. Seb, how's it going? It's going great. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What's new with you? Oh, just same old, same old. Just keep going to work. They keep sending me a paycheck, you know. Um, well, that's nice. I've been practicing... <laughs> always nice um i've been tracking down some uh, hot leads i have for people that have old home movie footage of uh places that we grew up with and loved in san jose most notably um kitty world and independent toy store yeah that i think you both have really fond memories of uh-huh so I, i've got a couple irons in the fire we're, we're gonna see what happens if anything bears fruit so very cool yeah and is there when 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 you have something like that, will we be able to kind of like share out? Like, are you going to stick that up on YouTube or something, or or do you have a plan? That, that's the ultimate plan, okay. definitely. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Right on. Well, I don't have a whole lot going on over here other than oh, feeling a little cruddy in my head with this weather that's passing through. All right. Um, oh, uh, but. Gallifrey won the Doctor Who convention last month. That was a yes. blast. Getting, 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 finally getting the chance to um, meet lifelong crush Sophie Aldred face to face, and uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Sylvester McCoy as well, the Seventh Doctor, which was um, a total treat. Uh, he That's he awesome. did he did um, uh, take a minute to put his glasses on and look at the pictures from TimeCon that you had uh, provided to me. Oh wow! Yep. Yep. So he, 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 it wasn't just a, oh, well, that's nice, you know, moving on. He literally like stopped and put his glasses on to kind of like look at, uh, look at the photos I'd brought. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Although the neat story that came out of all that, now the whole weekend was, was a blast and went by far too fast. But, um, we, he was supposed to be doing, Sylvester was supposed to be doing an autograph signing on, um, Saturday, like right after a photo op. Um, and right before a panel that he was on. Um, and so there were a bunch of us in line, uh, waiting to get an autograph. And, um, it turned out that the photo op that he was in ran long and he had to go straight to the panel. Um, and so he, and that was the last opportunity that he was going to sign on Saturday. And two people in front of me, um, was, uh, a young boy, probably, I'm terrible with ages. I've I've said he's 10-ish. He's probably more like 13, knowing my luck. But in that range. Um, and his mom, who had come all the way out from South Carolina. Oh, my gosh. For, yeah. Well, there's people who came up from Australia. Wow. For this con. Um, and they had come all the way out from South Carolina. And at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, when Sylvester was doing his next signing, he was going to be, or they were both going to be on a flight home. Um, okay. And I, you know, I could see the disappointment. I could feel that vibe. Um, here's this kid who is, you know, my age when I went to my first con and his favorite doctor is, is a classic who doctor. And I just, without even really thinking, I was like, Hey, look, if you guys will trust me with the photo and the money to pay for an autograph, 
I will get him to autograph it tomorrow morning, and I will mail oh. it to you when I get back to oh. work on Tuesday. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! And they kind of like, yeah, okay. So I, <clears throat> I took the photo and the the little like um, uh, plastic sleeve that you can okay. buy for them and stuff, and and tuck tuck the money for an autograph in there and kept it with me. And uh, uh, the mom had sent me her uh, address. And, um, so I, I made a point of, you know, the next day when I had the autograph, taking a picture of it, sending it to them and, uh, uh, mailed it off the Tuesday after the, after the con, they had it by Thursday. So it's, you know, it's just what we do for fandom. Yes. You, you, you did your good deed for the day and I'm, I'm glad, I'm really happy that you did that and you didn't just sign it yourself and pocket the money. That's so cool. No, 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 never, never in a million years. If I had been in that same situation in 1990, I would have hoped somebody else would have stepped up and done the same thing. So totally. Yeah. That's, that's my, my feel good moment of the, of the whole weekend. So that's, you know, I'm glad. And, And I mean, realistically, you know, who knows how many years it'll be before he's back at that convention? Who knows if they'll be able to make it to that convention? Right. Who knows how many more years we've got these doctors for? I mean, that that's kind of a big thing. So. Sure. I was like, look, it's the least I could do. Yeah. So. Anyway, let's dive into thing. Previously on. Previously on. Previously on. If memory serves. So literally the day after we recorded last, Seb, I saw news that Adrian Barbeau, friend friend of the family, Adrian Barbeau, can we say that? Oh, well, why not? Let's okay. do it. Um, is going to co-star in a horror comedy called Hell's Kitty. Hell's Kitty. Um, and yes, it's about a possessed house cat. Wow. It sounds like something I probably wouldn't watch, I'll be honest, but... Good for her still acting. Well, sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, do we know anything? Is she playing the kitty or? Uh, no, she's not playing the kitty. Okay. All right. um, I know that much. I don't know uh, the role she's playing or anything, but she's she's not playing the cat. <laughs> okay. Um, but so yeah. it's not like a Pixar thing or something. And no, like no, no, no. This cat. isn't this isn't animated. This is live okay. action. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. But but here's a little something in the news. Here we go. New segment. Um, news segment. Uh, insert dramatic news here. Dun, dun, dun. Or something. Right. <laughs> I haven't designed it yet. I don't know what it's going to sound like. <laughs> um, but Zachary Quinto, who has played Spock in the rebooted Star Trek movies, uh-huh. um, he's going to follow in Leonard Nimoy's footsteps as the History Channel is rebooting In Search Of. Ah. Uh. That's great. You know, I I think it's great too. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's brilliant. You know, I mean, it's 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 interesting that he felt comfortable with going down that road. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, like I'm like you know that he feels comfortable. Like I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't want to say he wants to get typecast as the next Leonard Nimoy. Although there's worse things to be in life than the next Leonard Nimoy. I guess that's true. So will we expect Zachary Quinto to put out an album of like? lord of the rings themed songs <laughs> right, right is that or next a book, right or a book of uh of photography i think uh leonard nimoy was a big photographer as well yeah um, so that's great that they're rebooting that show though that's a that was a great show and i'm yeah. sure we'll talk about it a little bit more tonight um, oh we we definitely will 
Most Great. definitely. And speaking of that... This time on If Memory Serves. It's the paranormal. We're, we're going to talk about the paranormal. Definitely. And the param- paranormal... Um, and I guess, I guess some of the things that really influenced us when we were kids and, and teenagers in the 80s and 90s growing up, different things in the media, different forms of media, things like that, that kind of um, both fed our insatiable appetite for things that were spooky, supernatural, paranormal, and also kind of shaped our ideas about those topics, I would think. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> there's so much. I mean, it's... I realized just before we sat down to record that, you know, we're talking about mostly TV shows, some radio programs. Um, we're not even diving into necessarily like the pop culture, like like at no point in either of our notes are we like, hey, Ghostbusters um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or anything like that. Um, th- this really, I mean, looking at our notes, this is kind of the paranormal in terms of you know, here are shows who are trying to explore the unexplained. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, with, with it's a couple of exceptions, but yeah, but, you know, but still. Um, um, so I have to ask you, Seb, right. have, have you ever had an experience, um, be it ghost, UFO, cryptid, whatever, that you would consider a paranormal experience? Yeah, that's a great question. There's there's three things I can really talk about really briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. To make a long story short, I don't think I've ever had something that could legitimately be chalked up as paranormal. Um, mm-hmm. The first experience when I was a kid, I don't know if you remember this, but I was a really nervous child and I was a big mama's boy. <laughs> and I would I would like call when mom started working again, when, when we were children, I would call yeah. her at work all the time. And one time I called her from home. And typically when a person makes a telephone call, you know, they pick up the heads the receiver or whatever, they hear the dial tone, they dial the number, then they hear a ring and then the person picks up, right? Typically. Well, this was a time when I was calling mom at the same time she was calling the house. So when I picked up the phone, I didn't hear a dial tone. I didn't have a chance to hit any of the buttons. Mom was automatically there. I remember that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Statistically speaking, the odds of that are happening are so rare. Not only that, but the odds that it would have been the person that I was intending to call and not like grandma or somebody like that. Right. Or a telemarketer or whatever. Right. It was a really obscure instance of serendipity, I guess, or coincidence. Um, yeah. It wasn't paranormal, but it was pretty cool. That it, was the only thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, it's so funny. I, I've never even thought about this in... I haven't thought about it in ages, honestly. So you remember that? Though. Oh, I do remember that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I remember yeah. it being kind of like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. This is weird. This is, this is kind of a big deal because it literally was like that split second. Right. Where the call has been sent to the phone. Mm-hmm. Like it's shooting across the wires at the speed of light. Yeah. You literally happen to grab the receiver and pick up as the signal's coming in, but hasn't triggered the ringer yet. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly right. Exactly. I mean, that's like, go get a lottery ticket kind of odds. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's not really paranormal, but it's still pretty weird, you know? Um, no, but it is, it, it is kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, spooky in its coin- coincidentalness. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. It, it, anything else? Yeah. Really quickly. Yeah, the only other two things, um, a couple nights before the September 11th terror attacks, okay. 
I had a nightmare and I, it was such a nightmare that actually um, I was still living with mom and dad and I was screaming bloody murder in my sleep and everybody freaked out and got out of bed and woke me up and stuff. Oh, and it's the only time that I've ever had a night terror experience. Now, it didn't really have anything to do with 9-11. I think part of it was like um, September 12th or September 13th, I was scheduled to fly out of the country to go to graduate school in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. So it was probably like some sort of stress or anxiety about upcoming transatlantic air flight that i was nervous about I which caused that. the night terrors but it's still kind of weird that like the only time i've ever like screamed bloody murder while i was asleep was right before 9 11 that was kind of weird yeah and then the last thing that happened was when i was a kid i attended um empire gardens elementary school in san jose mm-hmm. and right behind the school was a little creek called coyote creek and there was a day when all the students, the administration sent all the students home early because a huge proportion of the student body was experiencing um, an incident of, I guess, mass hysteria, what? where a lot of people were, a lot of the kids were claiming that in the creek they were seeing um, a famous spirit that's kind of embedded in Mexican and Hispanic folklore called La La Llorona. It's, it's a my, tough my one to say. Pronunciation. La Yoranda, um, the weeping woman. It's a legendary ghost prominent in folklore in Latin America. Um, it's supposedly about a woman who, a woman who, um, I think maybe murdered her kids or yeah, uh, has lost children and she looks for them along a riverbank or something. I, like this. I I have heard of this legend and and I've I've heard a couple of different podcasts uh, kind of talk about um, this this legend. Yeah. And stuff. Um, so I know a little bit about it, and I swear to God, right now the hair is standing up on the back of my neck as you tell this story. Yeah, it. You know, I never saw anything. I don't really think that anybody saw anything. It was more of kind of like a, you know, like when you're at an elementary school and kids, you know, go into the bathroom and they say Bloody Mary three times, or you know, those weird <laughs> kind of folklore, urban legend traditions. I think it was something like that, but it kind of um, caused a little bit of a panic amongst the student body, so everybody had to go home early. That's but, hey, crazy. Tell me now. I want to know: Have you ever had anything that you would call a paranormal experience? You know, it's it. I had a feeling you were going to flip it back on me. And I, as much as I want to have something, I want to have an experience. Um, and and I've I've got a friend who's like, dude, I got a place I can take you. You you'll see stuff, man. It's crazy. Um, I I haven't as of yet in my life had what I would call a proper paranormal experience but a couple years ago maybe it's almost been three years now um we're living in the house we're in now renting at the time right we've bought it since and uh livermore had a big citywide garage sale day mm-hmm. okay. so we're here at the house you know selling some stuff and then amber took the kids out to go you know hit some other garage sales you know give them a chance to buy something and of all the things, Perrin picks out a mirror and he picks okay. out a mirror that, and it, it was nice. I mean, the, 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 um, the border on it was all, all painted very kind of like festive colors. I mean, this looks like something that you, you would either see in like, um, like a Mexican restaurant or something, okay. you know, lots of purples and blues and greens. And it was very floral and kind of ornate and stuff. And we were like, really, you wanted this? And he's like, yeah, it looks really cool. And I'm like, okay. 
and we didn't really have anywhere to put it in his room right away so it kind of you know stayed uh propped up against the wall okay for a while and then not long after that he had just a string of nights where he would either have nightmares or just wake up completely freaked out in the middle of the night and i became increasingly convinced that it was because of the mirror to oh. the point to the point where i turned the mirror around made it face the yeah. wall um and that kind of like mellowed things out a little bit and then i right. eventually just took it out of the room and stuck it in the garage and it all went away oh wow that's interesting um, yeah not only that but we tried to sell it at the next year's <laughs> garage sale uh-huh. um and at the end of the day nobody bought it and we were like look we need to clean some of this junk out of the house anyway so i literally loaded all into the van and took it down to donations right didn't say anything about that story don't know what became of that mirror at this point the evil mirror i love it that's a great yeah i mean isn't that kind of like one of those classic stories like mirrors as portals to uh uh you know another world kind of thing isn't there a word for that like scrilling or scrilling oh no you're, you're thinking of scrying scrying that's right Um, but that's when you like stare into a mirror for an extended period of time right and you're supposed to see crazy stuff right yeah um and i've heard interesting tales of that but this this is more you know a like the the idea that maybe there's a spirit trapped in the mirror kind of thing um i gotcha i gotcha yeah but it, it and that's the closest i've come i mean again is it something conclusive? No. Do I have audio proof of anything? No. Do I have pictures of anything? No. But here's the situation. Here's when this thing was in this room. Here's what was happening with my kid. Mm-hmm. And here's what went away when I took that one element out of the room. I'm right. like, you got to kind of wonder. You got to connect the dots. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, can I, can I hit you up with another spooky story? Oh, please. Okay. Now... Do you remember the evening of July twentieth, nineteen eighty-five? Um, let me let me give you let me give you a hint. It was a Saturday night. You're about okay. eight years old. I was about six years old. Yeah. Uh, anything? Let me let me give you let me give you let me uh, give you some more hints. Back to the future that night. Let me well, let me give you some more hints. Okay. At seven thirty on Channel Five, they were showing Airwolf. It was the episode where Stringfellow leads a rescue party deep into the jungles of Laos to search for his missing in action brother Saint John. For for what it's worth, I don't think I've ever watched Airwolf. Oh, there's well, a whole segment of the at, audience that's going, "What? Seriously?" Let me let me try to jog your memory a little bit better. At okay. nine thirty p.m. on Channel Four, there was an episode of Mama's Family. It was the one where an on-the-job rivalry erupts after Mama takes a job at the market and is promoted over Naomi. Does that ring a bell? Um, I, now, see, Mama's Family, I actually did watch some episodes of, but I don't think I did at that age. In 9.30, wouldn't we have almost been in bed by then? Okay. Well, I'll, let me let me explain what's going on. So basically, according to an article in the San Jose Mercury News published the following Thursday, July 20th, 1985 was the night of a mass UFO sighting in our hometown of San Jose. Say what? And the, I, this article, I think, is great. And let me talk a little bit about it. Um uh, the article goes on to talk about um, uh, uh, a, f- a famous uh, country western music nightclub in San Jose called the Saddle Rack. Sure, 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 sure. I remember that place. According to uh, the article, more than a dozen people at the Saddle Rack around midnight were staring up at the night sky. And the manager of the nightclub, a guy named Andy Buchanan, uh, looked up into the sky and saw what looked like, quote, a bunch of stars moving back and forth pretty quickly. 
Now, the light mm. itself was more yellow than a star, sort of an orange like a fire, unquote. And the article goes on to talk about how um, a lot of people around San Jose reported these lights to the Lick Observatory on Mount Hamilton, as well as to a Seattle group that tracks unidentified flying object stories. All right. Um, several people described the objects as about 30 globes, a little bit bigger than stars, slowly drifting almost directly overhead. And the lights would shift independently, forming various patterns. And oh, after wow. about yeah, after about 20 minutes, the lights faded out one by one. Um, and when almost all of them were gone, um, uh, according to one of the patrons at the saddle rack, one of the globes began, uh, quote, dropping a tail of light, unquote. And the article goes on to talk about how one of the witnesses was a doorman at the saddle rack. And he said, quote, one of our customers came in and asked me if he was drunk because he had seen this thing in the sky and he didn't believe it. <laughs> and then the nightclub goes on to say, quote, when I first looked up, it looked like a pattern of stars just like the Big Dipper, but they were moving. And at one point, the lights, quote, came together almost like they were pulling everyone in to have a little meeting. And then they flew apart like an exploding skyrocket. Whoa. And it's like, I love this story for a lot of reasons. First of all, the saddle rack, correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably less than a mile from our childhood home where we grew up in San Jose. Uh, y we could have walked there if we wanted right. to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Less than a mile. And even though like UFO sightings are sort of common and are, are a dime a dozen, I think it's really rare to be at the right place in the right time to witness one. And even though we didn't witness it, and in fact, I didn't know about this story until just a couple weeks ago. I just love the fact that we were so close to a mass UFO sighting that we could have seen it, I guess, you know, yeah, which is that, kind of... That's wild. Yeah, totally. Do you, so, do you which, have like a, a, a copy, like a printout of the story or a, a copy of the microfiche it was on or whatever? Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, we've got to get a... I, I want to get a scan of that. We can put that up on our uh, uh, Twitter and stuff for people to see. Yeah, I think it's an interesting part of San Jose history. That's really cool. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. Wow. Holy moly. So I tell you what, I I want to mention, I, or I, I guess I want to start by talking about probably my biggest influence. Okay. Um, in terms of, of getting into the paranormal and and conspiracy theories and and just all of that kind of stuff and okay cryptids and ufos and area 51 and all that kind of stuff and that was art bell mm -hmm. on coast to coast am and dreamland in uh well at least for me in the 90s mm -hmm. uh that was really kind of the heyday and and there was nothing quite like hearing the opening of the show and it went something like this From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all a gracious good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, from Tahiti to the U.S. Virgin Islands, north to the North Pole and south into South America. This is still called Coast to Coast AM, and I guess beyond. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a Friday night, Saturday morning, and... I mean, anytime you hear... Oh, that brings back that, some memories. Oh, doesn't it? Right. Doesn't it? We, I, I remember like 
laying on the living room floor on a Sunday night, because that was the only night that it was on earlier. It was always on in like the, the overnight hours during the week. But Dreamland was on from like like six to ten, I think. Okay. On a Sunday night. And I remember list laying on the living room rug with like my boom box in front of me. Um and we would listen to it on uh, a station out of Reno. Oh wow. And we would ju I mean the 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 propagation of the signal at nighttime for AM radio can be really, really good. But even for us, it was still really staticky, but we were picking it up on KOH out of Reno, Nevada, before they had an affiliate in San Francisco Mm, airing the show. Now, um, Coast to Coast started in, um, well, it says 1988 on the Wikipedia page. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. um, I've seen it listed as 1988. The Wikipedia page says 1984. Although, strangely, I was listening to an episode recently from 1995, and somebody was asking about it, and uh, Art had said that he was doing this show for about 10 years now. So that would put it kind of right about that 84, 85 uh, time. It was originally called West Coast AM Uh um, out of uh, Las Vegas at the time on KDWN, which is still around. Okay. Um, And then in... um, uh, the later eighties, he got nationally syndicated as his topics went from political to paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously changed the name to coast to coast because who in New Jersey is going to want to listen to West coast AM? <laughs> um, the earliest recording. Now, luckily I've got a really good friend. <clears throat> his name is Olaf Phillips. He is, uh, the publisher of paranoia magazine uh, runs Paranoia Publishing, uh, even does, although he hasn't put anything out for a while, the Paranoia Podcast, all of which I, I highly recommend. He's a really, really nice guy, very knowledgeable. Um, but he has gigabytes worth of Art Bell shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've pulled down a bunch that um, uh, I wanted to hear um, and, and have it ba- available to listen to basically whenever I want. And the, the earliest one out of any of those was from December 12th, 1992, where he had John Lear and mm, okay. Bob Lazar yeah. on. Um, and that's, you know, for me, it, that overnight radio, that, that, that late 80s, early 90s, I mean, it was such a different time i mean area 51 really wasn't even kind of in the what the the paranormal pop culture zeitgeist until bob lazar came along sure and 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 was talking about his time there and then obviously later in the 90s there was a whole lawsuit about uh uh, people who were working there and were exposed to chemicals when they were they were burning off old materials and stuff yeah um uh just all, all that kind of mystery then mm-hmm. you you know the, the internet was in its infancy i mean you listen to some of these really old shows and people were faxing in questions <laughs> That's awesome. um and and stories and stuff you know and it, they didn't even have email addresses you would listen to some of these shows where they start talking about oh yeah i've got one of these worldwide web accounts and it's like <laughs> oh my god seriously <laughs> um it, for me today it, it's just it's it's such a thing that i i look back on and, and there's a lot of stuff that I, I, I realize wasn't true and 
you know, people were just playing off stuff. I mean, there, there's one famous instance. I think it was in 1997 where he was doing um, open lines, but he had an Area 51 employee line. Right. Mm-hmm. He basically was like, okay, the first time caller line, I'm dedicating to this. So if you do work at Area 51, if you have worked at Area 51, whatever, call in on this number. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody called up and was like crazy super panicked and paranoid and it, it sounded really legit mm-hmm. it it and you listen to it <clears throat> if you've never heard i i know there's links to just the audio of that i'll try to throw a link up in the show notes um i think that. i know the one you're talking about it's really yeah famous. yeah and, and and he's convinced the government's after him and they're gonna get him and then all of a sudden the whole system goes down like the whole show goes offline right and when it comes back it you can tell like he's flustered art is like okay like our satellite that we link up with went offline Mm -hmm. and so the whole rest of the show is people just utterly convinced that the government is doing something Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until a few years later um and then a, a, another show, even further after that, had the guy on to talk about it. Um, it, it, it was basically um, uh, not a stand-up comedy, a, a comic book artist who just decided one day, he's like, I'm going to call up and I'm just, I'm just going to do this. Oh, okay. And it, it completely was a hoax. Oh. Um, but was Art in on it? No. Oh. No, Art okay. was absolutely not in on it. So how did the satellite get knocked out? It, that either, like some of our other stories this evening, either complete coincidence, right, or somebody with some power was listening and went, "Is that one of our guys? Is it? Is, do it quick! Get this guy off the air." I love that scenario. I love, I'm going to choose to believe that one. I'm, I yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of the fun one. To, fun one to believe as well. Um, <clears throat> Can I make an Art Bell confession? To oh, you? please. You have such great childhood memories of listening to him, and I'm sure I did too. But to be honest with you, the the first, um, the earliest memory that I can recall of Art Bell mm-hmm. was um, our uncle Jeff talking to us at holiday parties about he how he listens to him. Yes, and uh, which is which is kind of like uh, it's kind of a bummer because I I'm sure I must have all these childhood memories of listening to Art Bell that I just don't remember, and I need to use you know hip dream hypnosis or something to bring all those great wonderful <laughs> memories back yeah. well and 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 let's be honest i mean really the only time that we would listen in would be on a sunday evening uh-huh. if we remembered to uh-huh. so even then it wasn't that much but yes i also have you know very vivid memories of our uncle who's a pilot um you know talk about listening to art bell because he's either you know, driving to the airport really late at night or really early in the morning to do his job. Um, or, you know, he's he's at an airport and he's, you know, waiting for the next thing. So, he, you know, he'll tune in or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I have memories of that. Um, and I, I have memories of a very unusual experience he had while in the sky one time. Uncle Jeff? Yes, Oh geez, are we yes. gonna get in trouble if we mention this? I don't know if I'm, we should look, mention look, this on I'm, podcast. I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not mentioning last names. I'm not mentioning <laughs> um, uh, uh, the company for which he flew at the time. Okay, 
but he did describe to me how they were in the air one time and it was like a spotlight shone yeah. down on one let's let's just for argument's sake the left wing tip right i remember, I remember this story too go and, on, it, go and on. it would rotate over to the right wing tip and then it would rotate back to the left wing tip a light from above yeah. when you're the... up in an airplane flying i don't know about you but that would literally scare the crap out of me i get kind of nervous with flying in general but i definitely agree um uh wild card line west of the rockies you're up next <laughs> i had to say that i'm sorry if you're a time traveler and only if you're a time traveler you know you have such a you have such a a love for the area 51 conspiracies and i do too i yeah i've got some we've, some yeah i we've got to get out there because i know i've i've been out to rachel i took the road trip out yes. um and and we got to get you out there man Come on, let's do it. I, I would absolutely love to. That That is absolutely a bucket list thing. I would love right. to um, maybe not take my own car because I've, I've, I've seen in YouTube videos how much of a washboard road uh, yeah. Groom Lake Road is. Um, but I, I, I would love to drive out to the gate. Oh, yeah, just totally. Just be out there for a little while, have the experience, go, look, there's the camo dudes up yeah, on the see hill the camo dudes, watching right? us. There's the gate. There's this camera. There's that. I'm actually really here. Let's take a couple of pictures and let's go get a burger at the Little Alien. Not only that, we could go and like record a podcast in like the car. Oh, that that would be nuts. I don't know that I'd necessarily have the cojones to like literally sit there in the car at the gate. Well, a segment of a podcast, uh, maybe of like a five minute segment or something. Maybe, or if anything, just just have like I've got a, a digital voice recorder with me. And just kind of just record the experience. That would be that would be kind of fun. Um, well, I, I hope actually our plotted like out. This idea. I literally I have plotted out a an entire Google Maps starting in Las Vegas, making the trip out to where Art Bell lives in Peronsa, Nevada. Um, just to be like, look, here's his house. Yeah, pay homage. Um, drive up through like Goldfield, Nevada, where there's a few haunted places, mm-hmm. um, and then make the loop. Basically, up you're making a loop of like the entire Tonopah test range up mm-hmm. there. Make the loop come down uh, into Rachel, past mm-hmm. the area 51 gate, and mm-hmm. then back the rest of the way down back into Vegas. Like right. just that, just driving that loop's like eight hours. That'd be awesome. I know. So <clears throat> you name me. the day I'm there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's find the time, right, with family and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Well, if you want to listen to some Art Bell, if you are out there and you're like, man, I want to hear what sort of craziness this guy got up to. Believe it or not, I have found that um, TalkStreamLive.com has just a paranormal radio section. Um, They've got an app, too. So if you are unlike Seb, who still has a flip phone, (laughs) and we could talk about all sorts of paranoid reasons why I envy you for that. You can actually get this paranormal radio app, um, and it is just TalkStream Live's interface of all the paranormal shows that they cover. So you can still get Coast to Coast AM, which has a different host now. Um, There's a bunch of different good ones, and there's some totally random ones. Um, But there is one that is literally called Art Bell All Day. That sounds awesome. It's fantastic. So you can either listen to it through your browser, you can listen to it through your app, um, and they'll just have different different shows being looped through. You got to check that out. That's yeah. a, that sounds really cool. Yeah, definitely. I I recommend it. I 
now that we've got an unlimited data plan, I, I listen to it a lot more than I probably should. But <laughs> what's 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 one of your influences, Seb? Oh, oh, you want to talk about something? Oh, yeah, yeah sure, please. Okay, uh, um, so uh, let's talk about um, the World Weekly News. Oh, um, yes, the Weekly World News. Oh, yeah, Weekly World News. Thank you. Um, you know, a great uh, tabloid newspaper that is remembered fondly by millions of Americans uh, through primarily the checkout line at the grocery stores. Yes, um, it was. Exactly. It was famous for being completely black and white. Um, and it always had some lurid and outrageous headline that uh-huh. would uh, tease you and tantalize you while you're, you know, checking out at the Safeway or something like that. Yep, I had Bigfoot's baby or whatever. Right. Um, when I was in high school, I had uh, uh, a small selection of World Weekly Weekly World News T-shirts that I wore. Oh my God, you did! I forgot about those. Right. I have <sighs> a couple pictures. I'll probably throw them up after the show. Oh um, yes, please. And one thing that was kind of cool was um, in the summer of 1994, I uh, went to Europe for the first time as part of a a tour group with an organization called People to People. Yeah, right. Uh, And it's not it's not it's not really a student exchange program, but there was portions of the trip where you would live for like a week or two with a host family in a a country or something like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. Um, And when I went to Europe. I took two suitcases with me and one of the two suitcases were filled with nothing but issues of the weekly world news. Are you kidding me? This is a hundred percent true story. And I actually lived with an Austrian family in the tiny hamlet of Zobern. And I have some great photos of a party I attended in the ruins of a 13th castle, a 13th century castle, the castle of Zygersburg. And I brought with me the suitcase of Weekly World News. And I busted these things out and I was spreading the word. I was like spreading the gospel of American tabloids. And I have these great photos of me and other people partying in this ruined castle. And we're all reading Weekly World News. And that's definitely going to go up on our uh, social media. That's unbelievable. Yes, we absolutely have to share that. How have I never heard that story before? Well, that's why this podcast is so great. I think we learn and remember a lot of great things, uh, different stories from our, our past or pasts, you know. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Yeah. See, Weekly World News ran from 1979 to 2007. Mm-hmm. And I think probably if somebody's out there going, mm, do I remember that? If I say the words Bat Boy, mm. uh, that will probably jog your memory, because I think that's, that might be one of our strongest memories of Weekly World yeah. News. I mean, Bat Boy was first featured in a 1992 issue uh, after being found in a cave in West Virginia, <laughs> right? The Lost World Caverns. Um, he since led police on a high-speed chase. He fought in the War on Terror, mm-hmm. right? I don't mm-hmm. see him being hailed as a patriot. Um, <laughs> led the troops to capture Saddam Hussein. <laughs> I had no idea. Go, Bat Boy, go. He's bitten Santa Claus. How dare you, Bat Boy, you bastard. Um, and he's traveled to outer space because why not? Uh, in the year 2000, he gave his endorsement to Al Gore. And well, we we saw how that turned out. But it was foretold. Uh, it was foretold vaguely, obviously, that Bat Boy would become president in 2028. And I think it's safe to say we'd be doing a damn better job than Trump is right now. I missed the weekly world news so right. much. I mean, I know there's like an online version you can, but it's like, eh. I don't see it anymore at the checkout and it just kills me. No. It kills me. We, I mean, um, and we used to joke in the family a lot that it just reading that it's like, I can feel my brain cells dying. 
Yeah, every you issue. I, at least but we'd ten still of my buy it. Died. You know, oh yeah, two bucks or whatever it costs. Oh, oh god, yeah, totally. That was a good one. <sighs> All right, your turn. What's up? What do you got next? Oh boy. Um. Well, you know, it's 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 hard to go through this and talk about influences without talking about the X Files. Oh gosh, deep waters. This is yeah. This is uh, this is our second consecutive episode where we've mentioned the X Files, and I think it's worthy. Oh, completely. Um, it was such a big thing in our childhood and adolescence, at least, you know. And and granted, it it is a fictional series, but you know, a lot of the stories that they did. I mean, especially you want to talk. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, look, the heyday, the absolute heyday of the X Files were like the first. I think it was five seasons, like before the first movie. That's a fair assessment. Um, and, and they've had some good episodes since. They've had some great episodes since. Don't, don't get me wrong. But you want to talk real proper heyday X-Files. It was probably 92 to 96, I think it mm-hmm. was, maybe 97. Yeah. And that was, you know, that, that was a time where we were kind of getting this, this, you know, jaded early 90s Gen X attitude. You know, people just... They weren't happy with government at the time. They really weren't trusting the government at that time. And that just seemed like a, a, a perfect time for this show. You know, the, the truth is out there. There's government conspiracies. They're covering this kind of stuff up. Here's Art Bell talking about, you know, the government covering things up at Roswell and this. And, and it all just kind of dovetailed together um, mm-hmm. to, I don't know, create this cultural touchstone that was the X-Files and it, and it really, I mean, please, you see something on the news today. Oh, somebody thought they saw an alien and they play the X-Files theme in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's become that much of our pop culture. But I, I, I think, I think you might agree that one of the biggest things to come out of like X-Files fandom, as it were, at the time, was something that we affectionately refer to as Baxfag or the mm-hmm. Bay Area X Files Encounter Group. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, how would you describe this group, Zeb? Baxfag. Baxfag was. Um, I mean, you have to understand. It's the it's the first half of the 1990s. Most Americans are only just then getting involved with um, the internet, the World Wide Web, email, internet chat boards, and it, as far as I understand, Baxfag was a um, uh, Mountain View based mm-hmm. uh, little group of people that loved the X-Files and they would meet periodically at uh, houses of friends to watch the X-Files and eat junk food and get spooked <laughs> in the dark. Yes. And it was a, it was a really fun little group. Um, personally, I myself um, went with members of the group up to Sacramento, the city that I now live in back on Sunday, July 23rd, 1995, to attend an X-Files convention. Not that you were um, counting the exact date, but <laughs> I'm very impressed. Oh, right. I mean, in Sacramento, I mean, before before the X-Files convention, I mean, this was the first time I had spent any considerable time in Sacramento other than a pit stop on a family road trip. Right. And I saw actors like Mitch Pelegi, Tom Braidwood, who played Frohickey, uh, Doug Hutchinson, who played Tombs. There were all these great props and <gasps> And I have a lot of photos of that that I'm we'll, we'll be able to post on the social media after the episode air, uh, gets put up, you know. But yeah, um, what, what what were some of your memories of Baxfeg and um, 
You know, X-Files. The, well, I mean, it, obviously the, the camaraderie, the getting together, I mean, you know, it would literally be <clears throat> like when the X-Files, it was Friday night or Sunday night or whatever, whatever night that they had moved it to this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'd all, we'd all get together at one person's house in Mountain View and we'd hang out and we'd socialize and, you know, we'd probably get together like, like the episode would air at nine. We'd probably get together at like six or seven mm-hmm. and... You know, we'd we'd either like you know watch an episode before the episode aired, or um, you know some people would. And this was all using VCRs back then. I'm not mm-hmm. joking. This this is pre Photoshop. This is pre Windows Movie Maker or Final Cut Pro or whatever pre computer based video editing, and mm-hmm. and people would cut their own music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, to a compilation of X-Files scenes. Um, and, and we'd sit there and we'd watch stuff like that and um, dare each other to eat horrible things on Marshmallow Peeps. Marshmallow Peeps. Um, I think you did what? Peeps and Salsa? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, did, I, did, I did charred peep. Mm-hmm. Like it got really just roasted and that just was nasty. Yeah, I did. Um, it was weird. Like Marshmallow Peeps was almost like the mascot of this little yes. organization that we belong to. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I even remember. I mean, getting like some people getting like fourth, fifth generation copies of bloopers. Mm-hmm. Like before bloopers were a thing to release, like with your your you know full season set of DVDs. Yeah. This was like something, you know, smuggled out of like the Christmas party and then passed around and around and around and around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I remember seeing like season one, season two X-Files bloopers mm-hmm. um, on a, just a really bad copy videotape. You know, the color was all wavy and everything and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But but the X-Files as a show, I mean, it just opened me up to so many different aspects of the paranormal whether it be Mm -hmm. ufos or cryptids or ghosts or um you know government cover-up type stuff Mm -hmm. um there there was just so much of it they touched on so many different things yeah Um, Yeah, it's a great show that really through the show it kind of became you know almost just you know secondhand knowledge oh well yeah of course jersey devil this that and the other thing blah 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 Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. right right um so yeah, I mean, even even now, we're we're in the final weeks of what will probably possibly be its final season, mm-hmm. um, and it's still, I, I'll happily go back and watch that very first episode any day. Yeah, that's uh, such a great show. Yeah, definitely television history right there. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. All oh. right, man. What else do you got? Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about a television show called Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Yes, I was so excited when I saw this on your notes. Now, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, um, we haven't yet talked about In Search Of, which we will during this episode. Um, that's a huge thing to talk about. But Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World was almost like Britain's answer to In Search Of. Um, it was a 13-part British television series that originally aired in about 1980, but I, of course, saw it on U.S. reruns in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, there was even a follow-up sequels uh, in 85 and 94, and really? uh, it was hosted by Arthur C. Clarke from his lair on the island of Sri Lanka in the Indian Ocean. <sighs> and that alone, I think, was one of the biggest things about that show for me, because Arthur C. Clarke, 
I mean, all of the other people that hosted weird, spooky television shows that we'll talk about on tonight's episode, I mean, they're they're all fascinating individuals, great actors. But Arthur C. Clarke, I mean, first of all, he's one of the icons of science fiction writing. Mm-hmm. Um, his novel 2001, of course, made into arguably the most influential science fiction film of all time. Um, but he also was instrumental in the development of communication satellites. Yes. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, our lives are impacted daily, either indirectly or directly, by things that he helped pioneer. Which for me, him hosting this show about like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot is amazing because it's almost like if, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln was hosting the MTV Video Music Awards. I mean, it's so <laughs> it's so great and so cool, but you're just like, wow, he's such a high caliber of person for something of this topic. But apparently, like he was, especially when he was younger, really interested and fascinated with claims of the paranormal. Hmm. Um, and he wasn't really afraid to call something out if he thought it was um bs you know but he always tried to keep an open mind and i think it was also a really influential show for me because if um i guess i've been conditioned to respond to british accents (laughs) and maybe if someone says something with a british accent i might be a little more inclined to believe them if they're talking about witnessing like nessie or a flying saucer or something like that Mm -hmm. so i always kind of just kind of like my ears would prick up and I'd, you know, lean a little closer into the television screen and kind of nod my head a little bit. But um, now, are you familiar? Do you remember this show at all by any chance? I I, I do remember it. I don't, I mean, I I couldn't quote back stuff to you, but I I do remember watching it. I remember like the, uh, the the opening scene kind of with the the crystal skull Mm -hmm. on it and stuff like that. And I did, I did kind of look, look back into Wikipedia just to jog my memory. Uh, a few days ago um but but that that's that's about it i don't have super vivid memories beside that almost i think most of the episodes are on youtube so it's pretty easy to get a hold of and it's it's fun too because he would also have episodes where they would deal with um really mundane bizarre experiences like fish falling from the sky on a clear day or there was one episode i loved as a kid where he would talk about instances where stones were found especially by people who maybe were like um doing road construction okay and they would split open a stone like that was millions of years old and like a living frog would pop out of it like a out of a cavity on the inside of the stone you know which is kind of fun because when you think about it it's not necessarily one of the mysteries of the universe that's really earth-shaking you know the fact that a living frog jumped out of a million year old rock but um i when i was a kid i would just eat that stuff up you know yeah. what i mean yeah it was just great so yeah arthur c clark thank you so much wherever you are yeah no kidding it's 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 funny there, there was a, a period in my life where i was a teacher and i had a um a student who was from sri lanka oh, okay um and and her family knew arthur c clark Oh, no way. Are you kidding me? I'm dead serious. That's awesome. And unfortunately, um, they, her family moved back to Sri Lanka before the, what was it, 2004, like, earthquake and tsunami out in that part of the world. Um, And so, unfortunately, I I have every reason to believe that something may have happened to their family uh, at that time, but... um, 
that's just one of those things where I, I, I connect Arthur C. Clarke with a, another experience I've had in life. You know, Arthur C. Clarke, like there were times in his life when he wore certain types of clothing, which I don't know if they're a style of clothing indigenous to Sri Lanka. I, I don't want to say anything that would cast aspersions on any culture, or any mm. any group of people, but he would wear these suits and I swear he looked exactly like a James Bond villain wearing these <laughs> suits. But he like wore it in a totally unironic way. Like and it was just so badass. I just oh my god. He, he it was wasn't like, being a hipster about it. <clears throat> no, it was just like you you just kind of like said, Yeah, it makes sense for him to dress as a Bond villain, but in a good way. <laughs> these are I'm I'm guessing these were probably uh light colored linen suits of some kind. Sort of, but like with no apparent buttons or zippers. You know, so it almost yeah. looked like a uniform. Yes, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Or like about. he was like a short order chef or I don't know what <laughs> was going on, but it was just like, I he was just, just, he just come off the cook line. Oh my gosh. It was like, you no, go, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I think that is actually pretty common dress for that part of the world, if I'm not mistaken. It was awesome. Nice. Love that guy. Nice. Well, oh, why don't think, we talk uh, about. You're up next. Yeah. Why don't we talk about In Search Of? Oh, uh, okay, uh, the big one. The big one. The big one. This when when I saw the show notes that you had put together, um, we the last last month's episode, of course, we 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 recorded was about uh, crushes we had. It was the mm-hmm. Valentine's Day episode, and one of the people you had on your list was Jennifer Connelly, and it was the person on your list that I was actually jealous that you had got on the list before I did. And when you put in search of on the list, that was my this month's Jennifer Connelly moment for me because I was like, oh, he got in search. I mean, I'm glad oh, it's on the list. But I is was that just is like, that what we're gonna have? We're gonna have a Jennifer Connelly moment every month now. I don't know. I don't oh, know. Boy. But it's like you're reading my mind and you're one step ahead, and I just love it. You well, know. Let, let's but, be honest. I mean, we're 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 less than two and a half years apart in age. Mm-hmm. We are the only siblings in our family. And we grew up into a lot of the same things, so it, it's it's very natural. It's not like it's a race to put stuff on the on the on the show notes here. It's literally it's just like here's what comes to my mind. I know, but I'm, I just had the little brother, you know, rivalry thing going on. No, here, so. I get it. I get but, it. But but I think I think um, would you like to start this one off? I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, this, so. What do you got to say about In Search of? You know, I remember watching it. I think it was I think A and E aired it. Um, obviously not first run it was it was syndication at that point but they they aired it at like some bonkers time it was like like six in the morning seven in the morning Mm -hmm. uh if if my memory is correct um but it would be one of those things where i I would already be up i was a morning person so i'd already be up anyway and what better way to start the morning than uh listening to leonard nimoy talk about some you know bizarre paranormal claim (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it it i you know i looked it up and that show went for what six or seven seasons i think yeah i think it was originally like 77 to 82 might have been yeah something like right. that yeah um, um it covered way more stuff than i i ever really realized yeah there definitely were some episodes where it was almost like you, you got the feeling they were like at the bottom of the barrel and they were kind of like wow. uh you know like an episode on volcanoes or something yes. it's like well you know i don't know how, how mysterious volcanoes are but you know okay <laughs> uh um uh, you know for for me for in search of is the gold standard in so many ways it was oh, of sure. all of the tv shows or radio shows or print media that we're talking about tonight it was the one that i was first exposed to so it kind of um 
I lost my virginity to it. Yeah, exactly. In that sense, you know, um, it for me established a love of television shows that are supposed to be spooky, but whose low production values make it almost goofy. (laughs) And I can draw a line from that all the way to probably today when I watch Ghost Adventures and, and like dozens of shows in between. So it's almost like. It's almost like the same stuff, but just different packaging almost. Mm-hmm. No, um, I get there was that. some, um, the, I mean, you could, there's so many things to talk about with this show. The theme song and the incidental music, the creepy ambient synth music. I mean, synthesizers and bongo drums. How much do I love synthesizers and bongo drums because of this show? Um, there's so many great episodes. There was a great episode called the coral castle oh, where yeah. they investigate the story of a little man from like Latvia who, built this entire castle made out of huge multi-ton coral blocks in florida in the 20s by himself with nothing but pullers and levers but like you got the feeling that somehow he knew secret powers that could help him levitate these stones could it be from atlantis um the first i think not only was in search of the first show i got i saw that was about mysterious things but like the first probably the first mystery in that show that i was exposed to was about a supposed pirate treasure buried on a canadian island called oak island ah and knew you're gonna mention oak island for me oak island is like that's where i lost my mystery virginity so like even to this day it's like if people are like i'm at a dinner party and people are talking about mysterious bizarre phenomenon somebody mentions oak island it's like i'll get like serious i'll be like you know that's my first love you know what i mean it's like you're on sacred territory be careful what you say kind of thing all right all right so i've 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 got i've got a pause here and jump into the future to today do you watch the curse of oak island okay i've seen a couple episodes um i don't hate the show but i'm very i haven't watched a lot of it because in part it's it's one of those mysteries where it's like i'm um if somebody if somebody can prove to me that the loch ness monster simply cannot exist that's not going to break my heart Mm mm-hmm if you know if, if these people dig up the entire island and they don't find anything i'm gonna lose it you know what i mean <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to know that that doesn't exist because that was the one that was the first for me that was right that was my first right but, no uh, I, I i get it i i will watch every single episode yeah i i watch it religiously and, and to be yeah and, and and i'll be honest i mean there comes a point in every season where it's like okay now you guys are stretching Okay, now you guys are just bringing in like filler people to talk about random things. And can we possibly get the announcer guy to not ask a question? Like after everything they point out, oh, look, it's a lead cross. A lead cross? (laughs) That matches this Templar one in this one castle from 1300s (laughs) on an island in the North Atlantic? Like, dude, shut up. Okay, <laughs> right. I right. love this show, but I'm getting tired of your narrating. The 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 last thing I'll say about In Search of is just how, um, because of the time period it was filmed, mm-hmm. they were able to film and interview a lot of people who are now deceased that I think are really important. Like, for instance, they did an episode where they talked about Roswell. Yeah, and they actually it actually includes footage where they interviewed the famous uh, army major Jesse Marcel before his death in 1986. Oh, nice. You watch any show about Roswell today and you're going to hear the story of Jesse Marcel told third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand by a researcher or a grandson or something like that. I mean, here they're like at the horse's mouth. And the same thing with like, um, there was an episode about 
the supposed survival of the Russian Grand Duchess Anastasia. Okay. And the most famous quote-unquote impersonator who thought she was Anastasia was a lady named Anna Anderson. Well, she died in 84. They've since proved by DNA that she wasn't the Grand Duchess, but the show, there was actually an episode about her, and they she was in the show. And probably the most important for me, there was an episode where um, Leonard Nimoy explored the mystery of Butch Cassidy and whether or not he actually survived the famous gunfight in South America and came back to the United States under an alias. Oh, okay. And the episode, they actually include an interview and footage of Butch Cassidy's sister before she died of extreme old age in 1980. Wow. And she's she's up and like, honest and like, yeah, in the 20s he came back, you know? And it's like, and this is his, this is his sister, you know? So you gotta like, you know, it's not some like, you know, they always talk about researchers think that, well, no, here's like Butch Cassidy's sister saying that he came back in the 20s and like hung out on the family farm. And I love the fact because it's like if you do like a funky, spooky mystery show now, these people are all dead. You're not going to be able to interview them and get that firsthand testimony about these mysterious things. So That's I just love really that about his search of as well. That's so. a really, really good point. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah, and the nice thing is, is that if if anybody wants is never seen in search of and wants to see it, you can get it on DVD. It is available. And can I just say, ladies and gentlemen, that my brother is the greatest brother of all time because he gave me as a gift once the box DVD set of In Search of. So I actually own it, and it even has a few discs of the Mitch Pelegi reboot in like two thousand two. And it's just oh yeah, God, I forgot about that. It's it's the best gift I've ever received. I you and know I, just, I remember when I first saw that that was actually finally going to be released on DVD. I just about dropped everything oh. I could to go like I know what I'm getting sad because he's oh. so into this show. I've got to order it right now. Ah, big love, big love. Yeah, right. I big love you, man. Love you, man. So what else? What else do we want to touch on? What have you got? Where are we going next? Okay, okay. Let me take a look here. Um, I think let's talk about Mysteries of the Unknown, a series of Time Life books. Hell yes. Oh, my gosh. Hey, you know what? Before we dive into it, let's jog the listener's memory with what the commercial sounded like. Mm, Let's do it. Chicago. A man is about to get on a routine flight. Suddenly he pauses. He doesn't know why, but he's got to walk away. An hour later, the plane goes down in flames. It's dismissed as chance. Britain. A woman has a sudden image of a black mountain that's moving, with children trapped underneath it. Two hours later, a Welsh schoolhouse is buried in an avalanche of coal slag. It's dismissed as coincidence. Northern Texas. An unidentified flying object is reported by at least a dozen people. Although there were no storms in the area, it's dismissed as lightning. Now, Time Life Books announces an important new library, Mysteries of the Unknown, a series that explores the most controversial phenomena of our time and tells you everything that can be known. The Midwest. A mother feels a sharp pain in her right hand. Far away at that exact same moment, her daughter screams as she touches a hot pan. Just chance? Or is it telling us something about our own untapped capabilities? Mysteries of the Unknown goes deeper into unexplained phenomena than ever before. It documents the facts and uncovers what people were never willing to talk about. Stonehenge, 
A visitor fashions a wire antenna in the shape of an ancient Egyptian symbol. He points it at the stones, and a surge of power rushes into his arm, knocking him unconscious. Was it all in his mind, or was it much more than that? To experience mysteries of the unknown, examine your first volume, Mystic Places, for ten days free. Then decide if you want to dismiss it. To order your first book, Mystic Places, call 1-800-532-1100. Examine it for ten days. Keep it and pay just $12.99 plus $2.98 shipping and handling. Other books will follow, one about every other month. Keep only the ones you want. Cancel at any time. Call 1-800-532-1100. What do you think about that? Mm, read the book. How could you not want to read the book after listening to something as intriguing as that commercial? I ask you. <laughs> Dismissed as coincidence. <laughs> Those commercials <clears throat> were the bomb. Oh, I God. Bring back such memories. Even just today when I was doing a little bit of prep work for this episode, I went online and, I mean, they did commercials for this series of books with people like Vincent Price and a really young Julianne Moore before she was famous and getting Oscar nominations every other year, you know? Um, <laughs> and they were they were a great thing. I mean, they were published by Time Life Books between 87 and 91, and each book focused on a different topic like ghosts, UFOs, psychic yeah. powers... Oh, I remember the cover um, of that Psychic Powers book so well. Yeah, and, you know, I, Dad, God bless him, he subscribed, and we have a lot of the books, and I have a lot of them in my apartment right now. Um, and I think pretty soon after these books started getting published, they broke basically all the publishing sales records for the Time Life Corporation, which is kind yeah, of impressive. That's, that is impressive. Um, some of the books are, you know, better than others, but some of the books... Um, have some really funky um, illustrations in them. Some of the artwork is actually kind of spooky, yeah. actually, to be honest. Um, and when I took a road trip out to um, Rachel, Nevada, I definitely packed up the the UFO book nice. um, and brought it with me uh, <laughs> as, as some sort of, you know, it, just in case I need to identify something off in the distance, I can, op- you know, bust open my Time Life book and try to figure out what I'm looking at, you know, so. <laughs> It was awesome. Oh, sweet. So you remember those books too, right? Oh, I totally do. Yeah. I totally do. And, and, um, are are there any, or actually, are there any of the books you don't have? Oh, I think, I think a lot because I think after a couple months of subscribing, for some reason we canceled the subscription. Okay. And it was funny, or I think it wasn't, we'd canceled it, but it was like, maybe like, uh, it was only a subscription for one year, and then they called back and said, "Hey, your year's up. Do you want to resubscribe?" And I think, to the best of my memory, Dad, Dad didn't want to resubscribe, and he just told the person that I was dead or something like that. <gasps> oh, good lord! Which is great because Dad, Dad was always doing stuff like that. Like I don't, I don't know if you remember how, like, every once in a while, you would, he we we would get a phone call from like the newspaper wanting to know if we would like to subscribe to yeah. get the newspaper, yeah. and he would say stuff like he was blind. So he couldn't read the newspaper, you know what I mean? So it's like he's always uh, thinking of some sort of funny way to like say no, you know. The influences awesome. we had growing up. I yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. No, that's I. I gotta. I gotta imagine. There's probably some of these on eBay. I've never thought to look for oh, them. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm sure they're... I mean, they sold about 18 billion copies. I mean, they're everywhere, I think. I, I swear I feel like I've seen them in antique stores before. I'm sure you have. Book, oh, second-hand bookstores. Um, oh, yeah. Li- library rummage sales. Oh, yeah. You're going to find yeah. these things. Yeah, they're easy to get a hold of. So. Those, those are classics. I'll, 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 put, I'll put a link to uh, one of these commercials up in the show notes so you folks can check that out. Awesome. 
Uh, well, what do, you, what do you got next? Oh, you know, the last one I've got on mine is a show called Sightings, mm. uh, which was, if I remember right, it was kind of, I think it was almost later 90s, uh, if memory serves. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 94 to 97. The, yeah, okay, yeah, mid to, mid, mid to late 90s, and that sounds about right. And it, it was kind of almost more of a, you know... It was Fox being like, let's capitalize on the popularity of the X-Files. Let's do like an actual news program, basically, Mm -hmm. Um, where we look at a couple of um, unexplained stories. Right. Um, And I I saw that you noted that uh, the the host of sightings, Brigadier General Tim White, uh, is command of the Air Force Doctrine Center. Well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I'm down on veterans or anything. I mean, no, I, I'm, no. I'm I'm thankful for his service to this country. I mean, let me let me try to explain my whole feelings about this whole thing. I thought I think Signings was a great show. It was kind of like a poor man's in search of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to sound like I'm down on veterans. I mean, if Tim White, the host of Sightings, if if he had been a, if I had found out he was a Vietnam War veteran, a grunt, I wouldn't think twice about it. But I think so many of the 1990s. TV shows um, kind of conditioned me to hear the phrase Air Force General and automatically think cover up. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he was, you know, I believe he retired from the U.S. Air Force Reserve with the yes. rank of Brigadier General, and he yes. was heavily involved in Air Force doctrine and PR um, makes me just a little bit one curious. I mean, not to say that I think there's some sort of conspiracy going on here, but just the fact that this was a fact that I wasn't aware of until not just a, just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the 1990s, that was kind of a golden age of government conspiracy theories. It just <sighs> surprises me that there weren't more people back then, or at least that I heard, talking about the fact that, hey, isn't it kind of interesting that the host of this nationally syndicated TV show about spooky stuff, including UFOs, um, is a high-ranking Air Force officer involved in doctrine and public relations, you know? Yeah. So I, I will I th- absolutely agree with you there. The fact that I never heard anybody talking about it is that's the thing that I find kind of suspicious. And of course, at this point, you know, the parlor game begins and you have to ask yourself, OK, was Tim White in a sense trying to debunk and poo poo legitimate UFO reports? Or was he part of some like low intensity effort on the part of the government to um, you know, have some sort of data release and get people acclimatized to the idea of UFOs and aliens. I mean, kind, who knows? Kind of you a know? soft disclosure, right? Right. At the time. So I totally get it. Now he he was a colonel at the time. Okay. Of the show, and um, yeah, especially being part of the Air Force Doctrine Center. I mean that that especially makes me wonder. I'm like, okay, what sort of agenda mm-hmm. is? is he trying to push on the show i'm also assuming he's trying to push an agenda but that's you know how i feel about government apparently (laughs) um so so there's that i i actually i'd be really kind of curious to go back and watch some episodes you know knowing Mm -hmm. that um and try to figure out uh maybe kind of deconstruct yeah 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 um but it, it, it's worth also acknowledging that um, uh, famous paranormal researcher at the time, Linda Moulton Howe, also played a big part in the creation of the show sightings. Um, okay. And she would be a regular guest on both Coast to Coast and Dreamland. Right. 
so yeah um you know Lin- linda uh was a big part in all that and and oddly enough kind of you know we, we talk about this kind of government conspiracy or this this slightly different angle um you know i i recently heard some stuff and kind of learned a little bit about um kind of how uh dreamland and coast to coast kind of came about um and also like the whole bob lazar george knapp kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and and i i don't know how much of it i believe right now so i don't really want to kind of go off and and espouse one thing or another but it it definitely seems a little strange to me that like george knapp is always getting the exclusives on Mm. here's oh here's here's this government program or, or here's this area 51 stuff, or here's this interview with TD Barnes. And mm. it's like stuff is getting fed out through mm. him. Um, there's also, I, I had an interesting discussion with, um, uh, uh, with Olav about um, uh, Bob Lazar and well, did he really work at area 51 or is he just full of it? Because there's been a lot of questions as to, you know, the legitimacy of where he went to school, um, Mm -hmm. and, and where he's worked. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was related to me that, that, you know, yeah, he probably did work there and do a lot of stuff. Um, but he's basically been psyoped. He's been, he's had his mind messed with, um, uh, in, in order to kind of create this cover story, Mm. and at first i was kind of like really you think so and i, I was just kind of i was kind of just taking it in and then i was listening literally two days ago <laughs> to an interview that art bell did with bob lazar in 1995 okay and that was my wedding ring on the table sorry if that was loud everyone um and he says oh you know i i, I really don't remember so much in that interview <laughs> Or he doesn't have clear recollections of even the last time that he was on the program with Art Bell, mm. which is 1992, mm. that it really kind of made me wonder. Mm. It really kind of put a new aspect on this. I'm like, okay, there might be some meat mm. in that whole story. So it's a, it's a it's a mystery wrapped inside a rig, riddle inside of an enigma, and and all in a nice toasty burrito that is then deep. Fr- oh wait, no, that's a chimichanga. <laughs> You know, I'm, appar- I'm you apparently know, hungry. You know, Joe Pesci says that in the Oliver Stone film JFK, and it's my favorite part of that movie. Oh, and God. I just love that movie. I can watch that movie. I've seen that movie like 18 times, and it's like six hours long. And I can just put it on and like do laundry. And <laughs> Joe Pesci gets up there and he starts going off. I'm just like, I'm clapping. I'm just standing up like I'm at church, you know. And well, I'm there's just there's like, nothing yeah. really that goes with you know JFK film like laundry. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. All right. So that's. I mean, that that's basically kind of my big influences. I know you've got a couple more. Hit me with them. Yeah, just really quick. Um, Unsolved mysteries. Now, there's so many podcasts. I can. There's. You can shake a stick and you'll hit a podcast that talks about the the greatness that was unsolved mysteries. So I'm not going <laughs> to dwell too long on it. Of course, hosted by the um, legendary Robert Stack from yes. about '87 to 2002. Um, was it I think that it had. Long? Oh yeah, wow. yeah. They got yeah. He was really frail at the end. I think. Yeah. Um, I think of all the spooky shows that we've talked about, it had the best theme song of all of them, arguably. Um, but my problem was with Unsolved Mysteries is that when it started, it was like a good mix of paranormal stuff with true crime. But mm-hmm. as the series progressed, it always seemed like it became more and more just true crime. And I, I can, I can distinctly remember like yelling at the TV screen that like 
come on, you are not America's most wanted. You're unsolved mysteries. You know, get, <laughs> hit me with some more Bigfoot or Loch Ness. You yeah, know? yeah, um, for sure. And then the other thing, when I was a kid, I was heavily, heavily influenced by a really short-lived TV show that bombed in the ratings. It was brilliant, but canceled the last barely one season. It was called Erie, Indiana. My name is Marshall Teller. I knew my new hometown was going to be different from where I grew up in New Jersey. But this is ridiculous. Nobody believes me. But Erie, Indiana is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. <gasps> Item. Elvis lives on my paper route. Thank you, little paperboy. Item. Bigfoot eats out of my trash. Item. Even man's best friend is weird. Still don't believe me? You will. I remember. Um, and... Yeah, Erie, Indiana, legendary show. It was basically like Exiles, or even better, it, it was like Twin Peaks, but for kids. Um, <laughs> That's and it, a scary thought. I it, One of the brains behind it was a filmmaker named Joe Dante, who I'm a big fan of. He did a film called, like, Joe The Explorers. Oh! With, um, he also did Gremlins. You know Okay, Explorers, sure, sure, sure. Right? right I the remember kids, The like, Explorers, space, yes. Right. River Phoenix. Yes. Um he was one of the brains behind it and almost in sort of a way that like Spielberg was one of the brains behind amazing stories in the eighties. Oh, Cause I always think of like, there's a show we could have talked about a bit. Yeah. Cause Joe Dante always to me seemed like, like Steven Spielberg's little brother almost. Hmm. Um, but, uh, basically really quickly, it's about a show. It's a show about a kid named Marshall Teller, a teenager whose family moves to the desolate town of Erie, Indiana population, 16,661. <laughs> and he they always, yeah and he, he has this new childhood friend named simon and they find all these bizarre scenarios and crazy things going on in their town um the thing about the show um there was a the thing in each episode where marshall in his attic uh, kept items from the various mysteries he encountered in a locked cabinet oh, and marshall God, always yes. wore a key around his neck yeah and then if marshall was gonna die or if he ever was disappeared under mysterious circumstances his best friend simon was instructed to contact the president or if simon couldn't get through to the president to marshall's parents to relay all the evidence he's collected mm-hmm. and basically like i was so influenced by this show that almost nobody remembers that from about 1991 to 1997 i actually wore a ridiculously large antique key around my neck you did we have pictures of it too yeah no and i i never i mean never fessed up to anybody like people at school would always be like hey why do you have a big old key around your neck i mean this and this was a pretty big key this was like it you was know very big flavus flav rap star sized you know neckwear you know and it was clingy. The, it was yeah it was the closest thing i ever came to jewelry in my life actually That's true <laughs> um, and that show just, it just hit a nerve with me or a chord or resonated or, and that's one of the reasons I really want to borrow your DVDs of Stranger Things. Cause I always think of Stranger Things. I mean, I've never seen it, but it sounds, it's almost like a modern eerie Indiana almost, you know, so. it's, you know, kids in the eighties ex- exploring mysteries in their hometown or something. I mean, yeah, it, this, this probably, I definitely wouldn't call this a kid's show in any way. Not like <laughs> the way eerie Indiana was, but you can absolutely <laughs> borrow stranger things anytime you want. It's awesome. Um, really quickly, I want to throw in two honorable mentions. One was a magazine called 40 and times. Oh yes, of course. Which was like weekly world news, but like in a magazine form, but like more like highbrow. Yeah. If you can be highbrow I, when you're talking I about like, not these types of topics. It. To weekly world news. <laughs> um, uh, I don't really have much to say other than just 
thank you for being in my life. And the last thing I want to me- uh, mention in terms of influences, um, when we were kids, we took a, a family holiday to um, Lake Tahoe, I think for Thanksgiving. Uh, you yes. saw Dolly Parton <laughs> driving um, by, driving by in a minivan. Yeah, yeah, it was the Dolly Parton vacation. Um, we went to like some random bookstore in a mall in like in like on the Nevada border or something, God, and dude. I I picked up a book um, by a, a conspiracy theorist researcher named Jerome Clark, and this book it you know each chapter is a different you know Loch Ness monster UFOs etc. Okay, and I read this book even to this day. Um, Usually in the bathtub. And this book, I mean, granted, I bought this book in like 1991. Right. This book is over a quarter of a century old. And it is literally melting and falling apart and disintegrating. And Oh, my God. What's know, the name of the book? Uh, um, the, the book is by Jerome Clark. It's called oh, – the book is by Jerome Clark. It's called Unexplained, 347 Strange Sightings, Incredible Occurrences, and Puzzling Physical Phenomena. Um, and it's nothing, it's nothing special, but it's just, uh, you know, I probably read it a hundred times and I'm still reading it. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's a great book. There. Okay. So since you've got an honorable mention book, I've got to throw one in there, but this one was definitely not destined to be, I don't know, maybe as legendary as yours sounds. Um, but I remember, I believe we were at a used bookstore in Nevada City, California. I believe this is where we found it. And this was a book, I want to say it's from the 60s, called Criswell Predicts. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Criswell was famous for appearing at the beginning of, I think it was Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did this whole little intro bit, <clears throat> but apparently put out a book of predictions yep. of what the future, although now it's our past, would be like. And some of it mm-hmm. is outrightly hilarious, um, and some of it is is kind of like that's not okay, dude. Like I think at <laughs> one point he's talking about like uh, uh, concentration camps for homosexuals, and I'm like, dude, oh, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's wrong. Crazy. Do we still have that book? Uh, I, I remember it. it. I remember I us it. having it. Yeah. Do you have it? I have it. Oh, oh next yeah. time I'm there, I want to take a look at it. Because okay. Does it have like a, a green cover? Maybe? It does. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I know. I, exactly. I may have to dig it out of a box. I don't think yeah. it's actually out on a shelf right now, but, but I'll, I'll pull it out. I think he was portrayed by the actor Jeffrey Jones on in the Ed Wood movie, the Tim oh, Burton. Oh, okay. Arnie who I've actually had the honor of meeting him before. Oh, that's um, Jeffrey cool. Jones. Yeah, I remember him at Howard the Duck. I uh, I have a photo taken by our grand, late grandfather of me offering Jeffrey Jones unsolicited acting advice. Uh, oh. It's a great photo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey, I think we should uh, wrap this up with an important question that's okay. been uh, on my mind and probably on the minds of a lot of our listeners. Um, when are we going to be done? Is that, is that the question? They're, they're, they're going all, all 55 of them are going, come on, man. When are you guys going to be done? So, Taylor, of yes. all the paranormal, supernatural, conspiracy things that are out there, which would you most like to be true? Oh, boy. That, jeez. You know, I've been thinking about this question since I first saw it. And it's, it's I feel like it's such a difficult question to ask because I feel like we now live in a post-conspiracy theory world. I mean, what do you mean by that? I, I mean, I mean, look at the world around us. Look at just our government. It is very 
obvious to the most, well, it should be really obvious to most people. You look at some of the people and you're like, okay, you are chugging the Kool-Aid right now. But (laughs) there has been a very obvious conspiracy to cover up this Russian meddling. Oh, the election. Meddling just isn't even a word. It, it it is it is complete and utter interference. Um, it 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 is plain as day to me from from everything I've seen, from everything I've read, and and I follow this story really closely. Um, that there is an outright conspiracy. Um, this isn't a witch hunt. This isn't fake news. This is this is we're throwing a bunch of stuff up trying to distract you there's just a bunch of chaff and chatter in the air hoping you don't look behind the curtain and god damn it there's all sorts of stuff happening behind the curtain that said um if i had to pick um you know an aspect of the paranormal or, or or a conspiracy to be true i i really and and would would really want it to be true i mean i i i want uh I'd want to know, I, I'd want that aliens are visiting our planet So to be but true. Like, but I don't, I'm, I'm going to say that in, in the sense that, that, you know, going on the assumption that, that this is a phenomena that's happening. I, I actually, I don't think that aliens are traveling, you know, thousands or millions or billions of light years uh, in craft to get here. I think it's interdimensional. Oh, that, okay. So that kind of alien. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 alien is alien. I mean, it is, it is not of earth. Ergo, it is alien. Ultra terrestrials. Um, uh, sure. Okay. You know, and, and if they're wearing sunglasses, they're ultra cool terrestrials. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you, you, that, so that you, you, you hope that that's real. I, I hope that that's real. And, and, and if there is one, out there that i would i would probably put some stock in as it sits today that that would be it Mm -hmm. um you know that's not to say that i think everything else is complete bunk and hokum you know i i believe bigfoot is out there you Uh know i believe there's all sorts of you know creatures and animals that we just haven't discovered yet Mm -hmm. um you know i i believe in ghosts and in spirit communication i i I believe that can happen i believe that has happened Mm -hmm. um but if there's one where i really you know i mean to to get all fox Mulder on i want to believe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it is it is that you know there are creatures not of this earth who are of a higher technological advancement than we are who are visiting this planet and i i would like to say have been in contact mm-hmm. with members of various world governments um but i don't necessarily believe that they are traveling great distances to get here i think that they are you know whatever you want to say using wormholes or something or, or some sort of you know dimensional shortcut mm-hmm. to get here Okay. From wherever it is, I mean, whether it's 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 a multiverse theory and they're literally coming from another universe, or they're just traversing a great distance uh-huh. um, by folding space and taking a shortcut. Okay. Um, and you know maybe avoiding some parking fees. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that that's the one that I would really like to yeah uh, uh, hold true and 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 believe in and and want to see proven someday. I, I want disclosure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So now I got to flip it back on you. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think that's a really interesting answer. Um, part of me, um, I don't know if I would want that particular one to be true because if um, if they're abducting people, I mean, it's kind of scary, and I don't know if I would want something scary or evil to be true. No, I, you know I get I mean? that. I totally get. Um, that. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the thing about alien um, visitation. Um, people always talk about, well, the nearest star is so far away and it would take so long to get here that they wouldn't, you know, it's not feasible. Right. I mean, from what little I know from my National Geographic reading, I mean, there's basically something out beyond Pluto called the Oort cloud. Yes. And it's a, sp- it's a section of space, the outer rim of our solar system, where from what little I understand, there's some astrophysicists that actually believe that in the past – there could have been planetary bodies in our solar system that because of gravitational pulls and things got flung out there. Uh-huh. So it's for me, I think it's completely plausible that there are other Earths in this Oort cloud thing, which, you know, they're technically orbiting our sun. They're not like part of another solar system. Right. And even though they would be really far away so far that, in fact, astronomers haven't been able to see them yet. It's to me completely plausible that they contain advanced civilizations that have technology that could f- travel to Earth in a time span that's not completely unreasonable. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. But so you're talking like Planet Nine, you're sort of like yeah. a Nibiru kind of thing. Yeah. But the other thing, but the thing is, I think I think the one that I would this, this, the paranormal thing I would most most want to be true. Maybe not most want to be true, but I think. The paranormal thing that has the greatest impact on me is whether or not there is our whether or not our consciousness survives our physical death, because I think that 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 mystery of the unknown has more of a direct bearing on me and everybody else than a lot of the other ones. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Bigfoot as much as the next guy. If there was a news article tomorrow that said Bigfoot had been discovered, I'd be like I'd be on cloud nine. But if Bigfoot's real or not real, I mean, that doesn't really impact my life in as direct a way as whether or not death is just a final thing where I blink out or if mm-hmm. there's some survival of my consciousness. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I totally know what you're and saying. When I, and, and when I was a kid, I wasn't really – when I was a kid, I loved ghosts. But aliens, cryptids, I was more into those. And I think as I get older, I get maybe – maybe it's a mortality thing. I get more interested in the ghost thing, I guess. Sure. I don't know. I get it. You but know, but the, I think it's oh go ahead oh I the only thing I was going to say to that is is my rationale is that because matter is neither created nor destroyed and energy is matter um, and and our consciousness is electrochemical it is energy um, mm-hmm. I I can only imagine that you know at at the end of my physical body's life that energy has to go somewhere it doesn't die well I think it's really interesting if we look at American history. After the Civil War, there were so many deaths. Right after the Civil War ended, there was kind of this huge uptick in things like um, mediums. Sure. And then after World War One ended, there was all this death around the world, and there was a huge uptick in things like um, seances and spiritualism. Mm-hmm. And and at this point in American history, I mean, over the past 20 years, we've had so many people, so many lives lost through terror attacks, Hurricane Katrina, the mm-hmm. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think... The thing that we're seeing now is a huge, we're in a golden age of ghost shows on television. And I think that that follows into a tradition, that tradition that I just mentioned with mediumship and spiritualism. And, and either, either it's because there's been so much death that people are just now super fascinated with it and they're dealing with it in that way. Or you could flip the coin and say there's so much 
um, unnatural death in these periods of American history that there's just more spirits out there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, so, I get what you're saying. I think it's really interesting. I don't know. That's just <laughs> but, um, all unexplained unknowns yeah. out there, and everybody's going to have a different take on it. And they're all right. You know, they're all and, valid to ourselves. That's for sure. Well, definitely, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to chime in, please reach out to us. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. We'll we'll let you know in just a couple minutes how you can do that. But before we do that, do anything else we want to wrap up? Um, just I think I think it it's um. There was something about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, which was a great time for growing up. And I think there's something in human nature that loves to be a little bit spooked out or scared. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I I think when, you know, our ancestors two, three hundred years ago, they might have had like spooky um, uh, fairy tale stories, you know, Mm -hmm. Grimm's Brothers, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I think I think this is almost kind of like the modern version of that to an extent, you know. Sure. Um, not to say that not to say that they're all not real or real, you know. I just think that they're it's kind of a fun thing, you know. Um, and it's just it's it's who doesn't like a who doesn't like a crazy spooky story, you know? If anybody, I don't care who they are. If anybody stops me and tells me, "Hey, I saw a Bigfoot once," or "I know someone who saw a ghost." I'm going to stop and listen to them. You know, I'm already, I'm, you've already hooked me. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. All right. So, Seb, what Taylor. are we doing next month? Well, I think next month we're going to have a great episode. We're going to be talking about movies our parents should not have let us watch <laughs> when we were kids. <laughs> yep. That was one of those, I think that was one of those first, first topics we probably came up with. And I think it's, it's time to dive in and, you know, look at some of the movies that uh, impacted us in, in ways that they did probably before we were ready to be impacted by them. My mind is already clicking away. Oh, boy. Yeah. As soon as we agreed on this topic last week, I was kind of like, OK, this one and this one and this one. And I really should be focusing on March's episode. But I'm here. I'm jotting down all these other notes. So, yes. I'm gonna- I'm going to have a lot of luggage to unpack on this one, I think. There will be a lot of unpacking. That is for sure. That is for sure. So join us in April for that. In the meantime, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. And if you've got something to share with us, please, by all means, chime in on either medium. You could, speaking of mediums, you can follow me on Twitter at Apex Buddha and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, search up If Memory Serves. Please rate and review us as well. You know, we always love a five-star because that will bump things up. But if you feel like it's something other than that, I will not stop you or be upset with you for rating us that way either. Also, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash TheNOTLG. You can not only get our show, you can get the Podcastica, which is our Doctor Who program that I'm on. You can get all the different podcasts from our network on there and also at notlg.com um the show is free to consume but it always takes a little bit to kind of put things together and have uh hosting and all of that so if you can chip in a few dollars please check out patreon.com slash notlg and help out if you can we'd appreciate that uh this month morgan willis does our intro and outro music it's the track party all night 
Check him out on Facebook. Search up Morgan Willis. His name is in all caps. You can't miss it. He's also on Twitter, twitter.com slash morganwillis82, and check him out on SoundCloud as well. Just search up his name. Also, don't forget, I'm going to throw out our Twitter poll one more time this month. Absolutely nobody voted last month. Uh, (laughs) Nobody gave an opinion. I left mine out. I know Seb left his out. And absolutely nobody had an opinion on whether or not we should stick with Morgan Willis for our intro and outro music or go back and use Betonal Landscape. Um, So I'm going to throw it up one more time and maybe we'll get somebody to vote. And uh, hopefully, please, please clap. Please clap. Um, Anyway. We didn't even get any Russians voting. I mean, come on. I know. Not even a single Russian bot voted at all. I mean, maybe just using the wrong hashtags for those guys. Uh, Anyway. Moose and Squirrel. Moose and Squirrel. Oh, Boris and Natasha. Oh, God love them. God love them. Anyway. That is all for this month. Join us next month when we look at a bunch of movies that our parents should not have let us watch at the ages we watch them, and we will talk to you then. See ya. Love you. Bye. This has been a Night of the Living Beast production. You can follow me on Twitter at Apex Buddha and you could I said that really bad. I'm gonna do that over again.